Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Hello, and welcome back once again. Continuing our trip through the book of Matthew. I want to just kind of pause here a moment and just say once again, and I know I've said this before, but Matthew has always been my favorite book of the Bible. It was just the one that I turned to for some reason when uh, I'd kind of fallen away from God during my teenage years. He brought some things into my life and and uh, caused me to want to turn back to Him. And the only thing I knew to do was start reading the Bible. So I started reading the book of Matthew, and um, you know, and I did more than just read it. I actually went through, studied it verse by verse. Have a Bible that I, the church gave me when I graduated from high school that I used, and I wrote notes. Not you know, you can see in there all the stuff, all the things that I wrote, um, and, and you know how diligent I was in going through the Book of Matthew. So anyway, I've been in love with that book ever since because there's just there's just so much in here to me that you know speaks to people that you know the the, the attitudes and the character. And of people and, and the way they view Christ because he was he was trying to reveal himself to a world that was um, very religious um, you know people looked at Israel and and it was very obvious that you know they were very entrenched in their service to Jehovah the one God they were settled on that there was never any question in their mind about that, but there were so many things because they had become so religious instead of pursuing a relationship. And so God is, you know, through Jesus Christ, of course, is trying to move them from that religious um, religious status to a personal status. And so as we begin chapter 16, this is a very good story about um, about that very thing. It says in chapter 16 and verse 1, it says, The Pharisees, also with the Sadducees, and that's just an interesting phrase right there because the Pharisees and Sadducees were always at odds with one another. Um, you know, the Sadducees uh, had a problem with the afterlife, and, and of course the Pharisees were very... Uh, um, you know, very straight with the, you know, in matters of the law, and that very, you know, we use the term pharisaical, um, because, you know, they they applied the law so strictly, um, so much so that it worked against itself. But anyway, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were constantly at odds with one another. They were always quarreling and debating, 
And, and so for, to start out here in chapter 16, it says the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came. These two guys were religious enemies. And yet they combined forces against Christ. Of course, we see that a lot today. You know, all the different um, religions and denominations and things like that who go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, you know, during everyday life and debate with one another and sometimes, you know, to the point of there's almost hatred. But <clears throat> but when it comes to the truth, because the two of the, because everybody is so steeped in their own interpretation of what religion should be, that when they're encountered with the truth, they all look at it in the same with the same eye that it you know it, it's an attack it's an affront to what they believe in so they can unite in opposition to the truth and that's what's happening here with the Pharisees and the Sadducees they see Christ come along and and uh, they see what he's doing they see what he's teaching and they they realize you know how this is going to upset their status quo and so the Pharisees and the Sadducees and along with others this is just the two that the Bible's focusing on here uh, unite in their opposition to Jesus Christ. So they come together, and it says, and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. You know, I was thinking about this whole sign thing, and I know the Bible talks about the Jews require a sign, and the Gentiles require knowledge, and different things like that. And while there's some truth in that, fact is, when you when you think about this, and, and I have asked God for signs before, you know, just to be totally transparent in situations where I just really f felt alone and you know you have those times when you feel God has deserted you um, <clears throat> or things are just so bad in your own mind and heart that you don't see any way out and you just ask God to prove to you that he's listening that he cares that he's doing something about it. it it's all part of his plan you know all those things that we're taught all our lives and and you know we know these are the things we should pursue and believe but but you know, when it gets the rubber meets the road, it's a it's you know it's a difficult task. So anyway, they're asking him to show him a sign from heaven. And so I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking, what what is it that goes through our minds that makes us think that God owes us something? I mean, why do we think God needs to prove anything to us? Didn't He die on the cross for our sins? Didn't Christ come from heaven and become a man? Didn't he rescue us when we were unlovable, loved us anyway? I mean, he has done so much for us and does so much every day when, when you think about just the balancing act that he performs every second of every day for the, there's seven, roughly seven and a half, almost eight billion people on this planet. And he still gives us air to breathe. He still makes sure the planets don't collide. And he still makes sure that there's water to drink and food to eat. And he does, there are so many things that God does every day, just, just maintaining our bodies and allowing them to continue to function. Uh, you know, the list is so endless. I'm reading this book on the human body, and, and when, I, when I learn about the intricacies, of the different parts of the body, you know, the eye and the ears and the nose, you know, and then of course the heart and the lungs and all the or internal organs. It it is it, it's blowing my mind, quite frankly. And and these are all balancing acts that God performs each and every day, each and every second of every day for almost eight billion people. 
And for us to say, Lord, show me a sign. Show me that you exist. Show me that you are who you are. Who am I out of all these people to think that God owes me a sign? That he needs to stop what he's doing and prove to me, Steve Wilson, that he is who he is. I, you know, cracks me up sometimes because and then, you know, he answers in, in verse two, uh, chapter 16. He says, he answered and said unto them, when it's evening, you say, it'll be fair weather for the sky is red. So they look out, they see the sky is red and 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 they'll, you know, it's in the evening. And they say, well, you see the condition of the sky and it's telling us um, that the weather's going to be good. Um, and then he says, and in the morning, it'll be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. I mean, they can look at a red sky, and depending on the time of day, they can tell you what the weather is going to be like. Um, of course, you know, that always reminds me of the, you know, the best job on earth is to be a weatherman, because it's the only job that you can be wrong majority of the time and still have job security. <laughs> but anyway, these uh, these Pharisees and Sadducees, whoever he's talking to here, he says, how can you look at similar circumstances and, and determine different outcomes, and yet you can't see the signs of the times? You can't see what's going on around you. He says, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. I mean, he calls them out. He says, this is He's saying what I just said. You know, who do you think you are? You're wicked. You're, you're, you're cheating on me with the world, and for some reason you seem to think I owe you something. And there shall be no sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the, pardon me, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. So he, he refers back to, um, to the story of Jonah. Jonah and the, the whale, or the great fish, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, we all know that story. We know what happened with Jonah. So what, what is the sign that they're supposed to get from that? See, Jonah was actually a devout man. He loved God. That's why he was chosen of God to go to Nineveh and, and share the gospel with him. But when he shared his desire to Jonah, Jonah decided he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He looked at the people up there and he said, surely, God, you don't mean Nineveh. Those people are wicked. They're vicious. They're cruel. I'll be in danger. Um, there's no chance that they're going to repent. I mean, it's wasted effort. I think I need to go to Tarsus instead. And so he gets on a boat and he heads to Tarsus. Now, Jonah had good intentions. He was going to go to Tarsus and share the gospel. You know, he was going to be a missionary. And that was unheard of in Old Testament days. But nonetheless... That's what Jonah was going to do. And so he loaded, got up on the boat, headed off to Tarsus. All well and good. Up comes a storm. Jonah realizes it's his fault. They throw him overboard. He tells them, you know, you want to calm the storm, you're going to have to throw me overboard. So they did. They threw him overboard. Along comes this great fish and swallows Jonah. I'm sure Jonah thought he was a goner. That must have been a horrific experience when you think about what's going on him out there in the middle of the ocean and the storm's coming up and this huge fish comes and just swallows you whole. 
you know, we worry about sharks coming and biting off our legs and arms or something. This fish comes and just literally swallows them whole. So here's Jonah inside this fish. And, um, you know, he, he, of course, turns to God. And he's in there for three days. And, uh, of course, that becomes, you know, a picture of Christ, on, in, you know, in, in the, the throngs of death. Uh, for three days when he was put on the cross and then rose again. And after three days, finally, this great fish comes to shore and vomits Jonah up. Vomit. Apparently Jonah was creating a lot of indigestion, causing the fish a lot of problems. And so the fish's natural um, body reaction... Um, threw him up on dry land. He had to get rid of the problem. I guess the fish was fine after that. Of course, Jonah, we know how Jonah then ended up going to Nineveh, the entire city of Nineveh, um, began to turn to, to God. And, and because of Jonah's preaching, um, they were converted. The whole city was converted. It was a wicked city. And Jonah was right. They were maybe among the wicked, most wicked people on the planet. And anybody in their right mind would look at Nineveh and write them off and say there's no hope. Don't we do that with people, though, a lot? You know, we look at them and we think, oh, there's, there's no chance. The guy's an atheist. The guy's an agnostic. The guy's a devil worshiper. The uh, guy's just narcissistic. The guy's just, you know, he's a, he's a humanist. Uh, you know, all these things... That you look at people and you think, you know, they've got everything the world has to offer. They they're not hurting. There's in their mind, there's no need in for God. There's no room for God in their life. So, why bother? I can spend my time better reaching people that are more receptive. That's exactly what Jonah had in mind. So you know, don't give Jonah such a hard time. Jonah was really he was trying to do the right thing. He was just. Resisting what God wanted him to do. God wanted him to do something that was very difficult. And he was getting way, way, way out of his comfort zone. Of course, that's a whole other message in and of itself because God calls us to do things that we never dreamed we could do, not something that we could possibly conjure up in our own mind. You know, and that's always been one of the tests that, you know, if you're going to do something for the Lord, do something that that only God can do. Don't do something that you know you can do, uh, you know, using your own abilities. Do something that God, that can't be done unless God makes it happen. So that's what happened with Jonah. And so the, the sign is to these Pharisees and Sadducees is, that, look guys, I, I've already shown you what I can do. I can, I've already shown you my power. All you got to do, just like you look at the skies and you discern what the weather's going to be, look at the signs of the times. Look at, just look at the life of Jonah and understand who I am and what I can do. Just trust me and follow me. Uh, and so that's the plea here. And he's really, we only got through, what, four verses? But, you know, that's, that's the story here in these first four verses in the book of Matthew chapter 16. Just let God have his way. Don't, don't. Don't pressure him. Don't resist him. Don't ask him to do something you don't deserve. Just serve God. That's 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 all your life is is an opportunity to serve God. So use it for that.
Just let God lead you. Look to him for his call upon your life. Thanks for listening. That brings us to a close here on the first four verses of chapter 16. We'll come back, pick up uh, Matthew 16, 5 next time. Goodbye and God bless.